This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Welcome back to those in the venues and those online. I'm continuing our series on the book of James. I'd like to open up in prayer. So if you'll just agree with me this evening in Jesus' name. Thank you. Stretch your hands towards me as I pray. Father, we commit this word to you tonight. I thank you as a teacher of the word of God that you anoint my mind, that I grasp the revelation, that would rise from abundance from my heart within. I thank you for supernatural recall of the message of your word tonight, that your word goes forth in power and in might as we touch on the subject of wisdom that has been made freely available to each and every believer in Christ. We just want to take an opportunity to thank you. Father, we don't deserve it, yet you've poured it out on us, and I thank you that every single person after tonight will have a greater degree of wisdom for life. And all those who agreed said, Amen. I think it's important at the outset of this message to remember the circumstances surrounding this letter or the book of James. It was written by the half-brother of Jesus, and it was written to Jewish Christians in the diaspora, They were a fragmented church. They were a persecuted church. They weren't able to meet, similar to the way we find ourselves not being able to meet in all of our fullness with all of our members today. They find themselves in the very same place. And it's interesting to note the kind of things that the book of James addresses to this church that is partially fragmented, disillusioned, and persecuted. And that's what makes this series so interesting. And tonight I'm touching on the subject wisdom from heaven or wisdom from above. It's God's wisdom that is made available to us, his people. James was trying to emphasize the point that in a chaotic world when you do not know exactly what's going to happen, the wisdom of God has been made available to each and every one of you to walk, not only walk godly, but to make godly decisions. Now James, in his introduction on the subject of wisdom, says there are two types of wisdom. There's a worldly wisdom and then there is a godly wisdom. I'm not going to focus a lot on the worldly wisdom tonight except by virtue of an illustration or a story about these three guys that so perfectly illustrates worldly wisdom. These three guys decide to go on a convention to Orlando and the convention is all about how to bring your wife back in line. It's a four-day conference. These guys have lost control in their homes, so they decide to go to the conference. Anyway, after four days, they meet together um, a week later, and one of the guys says, you know what? The first day was really tough. Second day got a bit better, but third day, everything seemed to get in line. I applied while I learned on the course, and I'm seeing a change in my, my relationship with my wife. The second guy says, you know what? Exactly the same thing for me. First day tough, second day better, third day's a charm. The third guy says, you know what? Likewise for me. First day was tough, second day was tough. Third day, I managed to see a little bit out of my left eye. <laughs> That's, that's earthly wisdom, okay? So let's pick, up, let's pick up the subject. And all the women are saying, the third guy, he deserved it, he deserved it. Okay. So James poses this question in James chapter 3 and verse 13. He says, who is wise? Who is wise and who is understanding among you? All he's simply asking is this, to the church in the diaspora, to similarly to us today, he's asking, How do you respond in chaos? How do you respond when you do not know what is going on? You see, there's not enough. This is not about knowledge. It's not about experience. He's asking the question, how skilled are you or do you find yourself at living in a chaotic world? Interestingly enough, the Hebrew word for wise is actually skill in in skill and living. And this really is what wisdom is. It is all about skill in living. 
More often than not, it's the wise person who acts completely differently to anyone else when pressure is applied. When everything seems to be falling to pieces, and Pastor Theo has been such a wonderful example to us as pastors and a management team. I'll never forget the one year we had a celebration booked. A guy was coming in from a North African country. He was the keynote speaker. We were at the airport. I think Pastor Greg was there. We were waiting, and guess what? This guy just didn't rock up. We couldn't get hold of him. He was our keynote speaker. He was supposed to speak on the same day. We were frantic thinking, what's going to happen with celebration? All of us are running around like, we're like chickens with their heads cut off. We come to the, we come to the celebration, Pastor Theo's here, waiting for the guest speaker to arrive. We say, sir, sir, he didn't rock up. He says, that's okay. We thought, oh God, it's the end, it's the end of celebration. Pastor Theo said, no, the Lord's got his hand in it. And he just began to preach. Do you remember that year, Pastor Johnny? It was just amazing. You see, people with the wisdom of God just tend to act differently when everything seems to be falling apart around them. You see, in fact, if you want to get a real handle on what wisdom is, if wisdom is still a vague thing that you do not understand or comprehend, just read your Bible and see what it says about how a fool acts. And you'll learn pretty quickly that wisdom is completely opposite. You get fools, foolish people, you get wise people. Remember the story of the builders in Matthew chapter 7? I'll never forget one day, I was, a young, I was young in the ministry, and I, and I loved the Lord. I was full of zeal. I was partially stupid, but I, I, you know, zeal without knowledge is like a ship on dry land. It looks exciting, but it's going nowhere. So, so I, I, remember, I remember being in this place, and, but I had such a short temper. And I'll never forget reading through the Proverbs. I take a Proverbs a day. And one of the Proverbs said this, a fool shows his annoyance at once. I'll never forget NIV translation. A fool shows his annoyance at once. And I had a short temper. And I realized I was confronted with the fact that I was a Christian, a Christian fool. So if you want to find out what wisdom is, and I'm not going to go through all the scriptures about how fools act, but if you're kind of borderline and you're not operating in the wisdom of God, just do that and you'll notice that, hey, listen, you're not where you should be. Now, wisdom and knowledge are not the same thing. Wisdom and knowledge are not the same thing. I mentioned this morning, I'll say it again. Knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. You see, it's got everything to do with application. It takes knowledge to build the Titanic, but wisdom to steer around the iceberg. You can be knowledgeable about the entire Bible, but it's wisdom that walks with God. And this is one of the things I love about Jesus. He gives such a perfect example. The Pharisees come to him and haggle him about doing ministry on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to be specifically, he was healing people on the Sabbath. So they come to Jesus in an uproar. And Jesus said, okay, so you know the law so well. You know the Bible so well. You know the, the word of God so well. He says to them, what happens when a child is eight days old on the Sabbath? And now you have to do a circumcision. But now you've got the Sabbath. You're not. So you can imagine these guys are thinking, oh, yeah, what do we do? And Jesus says, well, Moses makes provision that if the circumcision falls on the Sabbath, because he says the Sabbath is meant, people, the Sabbath is meant for people, not people for the Sabbath. He responds with such wisdom, and he says, if you then can circumcise your child and make, a, and make a, an allowance for that, then surely I should be able to heal people and do what God wants me to do. And I was thinking, if I was in that situation, and how many times do you get confronted with people about the law? How many of you say, I need the wisdom of God? And the wisdom of God is found in Christ Jesus. You see, wisdom really is the mind of God made available to us in the chaotic situations. 
Wisdom is simply applying God's solutions to any given problem. Many of us know that we need to do it, and we even know what to do. But how many of us actually do it? And that's where wisdom kicks in. You see, wisdom is also just simply the mind of God in any situation. It's accessing God's omnipresence. His presence in past, present, and future to be able to make a decision that even to you may seem temporary, but in the mind of God, the solution carries weight. You see, what wisdom is, it's expecting to know what to do, even when you don't know what to do. Wisdom from God is simply expecting to know what to do, even when currently you do not know what to do. And this is what it says in Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10. And this is a very important foundation that needs to be laid as we discuss wisdom from above. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So understanding comes from knowing your Bible. Wisdom comes from fearing the Lord. The point I want to make is this, that wisdom has a moral foundation. And I'm going to prove it over and over and over again. You cannot be someone who is morally corrupt, even a morally corrupt Christian, and expect to have access to the wisdom of God. It doesn't work that way because James really drums down on this and he defines what godly wisdom is, but more importantly, how godly wisdom acts. In actual fact, when we learn by the grace of God to act according to what wisdom is, wisdom becomes ours. Can I get an amen? So wisdom as a moral foundation. Let's kick off in James chapter 3 and verse, verse 13. The Bible says, let us then show, oh, let me read the first, the first James chapter 3, verses 13. The A part, I skipped that part, my apologies. So this is what it says in James 3 and verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? And then James continues in verse 13. Let them show it. Can someone say show it? Can you see wisdom is visible? Look at this. Let them show it by their good life, by their deeds done in humility that where comes from? So surely if you are operating in the wisdom of God, there is a life change. There are deeds that accompany it. There is a good life. Wisdom has a moral foundation. Let me remind you, plain and simply, that Christianity is just a transformed life. It is a transformed life, and today's message is not about informing you how to become better because wisdom is not something that can be taught or gained through observation. It's a hard thing. We're going to see that today. Today's decision is about making you aware of what has been freely made available to each and every one of us through our union with Jesus in order to raise our expectancy and evaluate the extent to which wisdom and to the extent to which we can measure ourselves up against God's definition of wisdom. And then for expectancy to grow in our heart that God is going to pour out his wisdom on us. God doesn't make me better than anyone else. He makes me better than myself. And you see, when you begin to operate in the wisdom of God, it's very easy sometimes to become boastful and proud. But God doesn't make me better than anyone else. And you'll see sometimes in the verses that I'm about to read that there comes a lot of arrogance sometimes with worldly wisdom. But it's not so with God. 
Let's continue in James chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, it's unspiritual and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition... Now, what is envy and selfish ambition? These two things James really drums down on. And he says envy is really wanting what someone else has. Envy is really wanting... And it doesn't always... It's not always about cars. It's not always about success. Sometimes it's even about gifting. You're not happy with the gift that God has given you. Why? Because it doesn't perhaps bring you into the spotlight. So you want the gift that someone else is operating and you pursue it. That's envy. Selfish ambition is trying to promote yourself in life on the backs of other people. Selfish ambition. I want to promote myself regardless of whoever gets demoted or fired. The Bible says that where there is bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, he says don't boast about it or deny the truth. Wisdom does not come, that sort of wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly and spiritual demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, you find disorder and every evil practice. I'm reminded of what James said in chapter 1. Now we're going back a few verses and he says, If any one of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. What are we talking about? We're talking about skill for life. Skill for living. James says, if you lack skill for living where you currently find yourselves, and remember, he was speaking to a people much like we are today. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. But sometimes we'd really prefer to know what happens tomorrow. And he says, if you want skill for living in an unknown environment and an unknown future, all you need to do is you need to ask the Father. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. I'm here today simply to remind us that there is a reservoir, a reservoir, an unlimited resource that has been made available to all of us in order to see each and every one of us through anything. I learned this as a very valuable lesson as a young man of God who was expected to, to build a Bible college, to put together modules. Pastor Theo came and gave it to me when I was just a young little whippersnapper. I was 27 years old. And he said, I want you to develop a Bible college. I was a tin basher, an aircraft tin basher. I was a glorified panel beater on an aircraft. What did I know about curriculum development, all this kind of stuff? I promise you the fear of God gripped me and brought me to my knees. I said to Pastor Theo, sure, I'm your man. Went to my office, fell on my, fell on the, I crawled up in a fetal position and began to sob like a baby, saying, God, what have you done to me? Kenya me parka. You obviously don't know my limitations. I know nothing about curriculum. I don't know anything about this stuff. Lord, what am I going to do? And God spoke 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30 into my heart. It exploded in me like an atom bomb. And this is exactly how God paraphrased that verse. And he said to me, Andre, if Christ has become your wisdom from God, you can expect to know what to do in every situation. He didn't tell me I would know. He said, you can expect to know what to do. And all of a sudden, this expectation rose in my heart. And thank God for the grace of Jesus Christ. If any man lacks wisdom, he can come to God who gives liberally without finding fault, the Bible says, and he will give it to you. Praise God. And so I can stand and tell you today as a glorified panel beater, I did no research, no studying into curriculum development or anything, and take a look at what God has done through Christian Family Church International Bible College today. Praise the Lord. So James chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, 
says this, but the wisdom that comes from heaven, and that's what we're going to focus on tonight for the remaining time, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Now this is kind of an odd final statement or final verse to this thought that James is putting down, and he says, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Now you've got peacemakers, you've got sowing in peace, you've got righteousness. What does this have to do with wisdom? That I will leave for the conclusion of my message. So there are six things that I want to share with you tonight that I extract from that verse. We're going to break it down and we're going to take a look exactly what wisdom looks like so that we can assess how wise we are really, what our shortcomings are, where we need to trust God in order to begin accessing that wisdom or that skill for living. The first thing that the Word of God says in James chapter 3, it says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. So a wise, the wise have a pure heart. Not a perfect heart. They have a pure heart. Now if you don't get this, because he clearly says, first of all pure. If you don't get the understanding and come to terms with what God is speaking about concerning the purity of heart in order to access the wisdom of God and live in the wisdom of God, you won't get any of the others. But let me also say that perfection is not purification. Purification is not perfection. So God only requires that we have a pure heart, not a perfect heart. And this is the kind of heart attitude that admits, I don't like where I am. There's more that I can become through Christ Jesus. There's still little pockets in my spirit that I know the Lord needs to work on. How many of you feel like that? Can I see your hands? I mean, you know you haven't arrived, right? And just when you think you have, you read another verse and realize, let me start again. So, so the Bible says that wisdom, first of all, that comes from heaven must, is first of all pure. That We need a pure heart. It's a heart that says, God, I want to change. It's a heart that says, God, I don't like being the way I am. After all, David even said, he said, Father, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So it's a kind of heart that yearns for purity. Titus chapter 1 and verse 15 puts it this way. Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure. I said to Pastor Johnny and Pastor Greg in a management meeting the other day, I said to him, think, I think the older I get, the more cynical I've become. When I read this verse, I realized that, listen, maybe my heart isn't as pure as what it used to be, and therefore I've become more cynical. You know, Pastor Theo believes the best about everyone all the time. And we wonder, how is that even possible? This verse says, those with a pure heart, to them everything is pure. They find it easy to believe the best in everyone. People with a pure heart never focus on the faults of others. They just want to operate in the wisdom of God, the love of God. They always want to keep the door open. Can someone say amen? amen. So everything is pure to those, who to those whose hearts are pure, but nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and consciences are corrupted. So it's possible, Titus tells us, that corruption can enter into the heart of a believer that will stifle the wisdom of God being able to flow through them, that we could possibly lose the skill for living. Now, granted, this verse in Titus 1 and verse 15 is referring to the born-again experience, but I think it applies to wisdom as well. 
In 1 John, this heart transformation is described as being so significant that all the rules laid out by God in His Word are no longer a burden, but rather a desire. That's how you know your heart is transitioned, because the, the, the commands of God are no longer something, oh, I have to do it. You've transitioned from there to say, listen, I get to do it. I get to do the things. And you know when you're dealing with someone who has a pure heart. Amen? People with pure hearts never speak about others. You want to talk about accessing the wisdom of God and operating in the wisdom of God? A pure heart is essential. Jesus said in Matthew 5, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I tell you folks, people who have a pure heart get to see more of the Father and expose more to what the Lord is doing and will do than anybody else whose heart is hard. You see, pure simply means without contamination. Now you know that gold has varying degrees of purity. In actual fact, 18 karat gold, 24 karat gold is far more expensive than 9 karat gold. They'll try and sell you 9 karat gold because they say it's, it isn't as easily damaged, but it doesn't look like the real thing. Now this message will preach all in itself. It's cheaper, it's harder. The more contaminated your heart becomes, the harder your heart becomes. I want a 24 karat I want a 24 karat heart. How many of you say, Lord Jesus, hear me? I want, a, I, want a 20, I want a 24 karat heart. You see, softer gold is easier to mold as well. So then this begs the question, what does an impure heart look like? James 4, verse 4, tells us quite clearly. Look what he says. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against? Now, adulterous is heart. Adulterous people is a harsh language, but what adultery simply means is this. It means that I'm, you're married to your wife, but you've got something on the side. That's what adultery simply is. I'm married, I'm in covenant with this person, but I've got something on the side. And I wonder how many of us as Christians, we, we married to God, we're going to heaven, we're going to make it, but, but we've got something on the side. When we're talking about the purity of heart, and folks, I really am focusing on wisdom here. But these are the issues that James says, this is what godly wisdom looks like, and this is how godly wisdom acts. You adulterous people, he says, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. You see, folks, honestly, I don't think that we grapple enough with the kind of things that we watch and the kind of things we listen to. And I spoke about this some weeks ago, but even in my own life, I found that during lockdown, you know, you work, but you can't go out. What do you do? You end up binge watching stuff. And before you look, you've allowed this, you've allowed that. And you realize three months into it, listen, things I'm watching, I would never have dreamt of watching those things. And I'm not talking about horrific bad stuff, but I'm talking about things where your conscience says, don't do this, where wisdom screams aloud, the Bible says in Proverbs, and says, don't do this. Your flesh will enjoy it, but it's going to cause you to make some seriously bad decisions. It's going to affect your access and your application of the wisdom of God, which is skill for living. It's going to contaminate your heart. And what do you do? You watch it just a little bit more. And that's exactly what the devil does. You give him a pinky. So I don't think that we grapple with these things enough. And it's not my responsibility to tell you what you can watch, what you can't watch. You've got the Holy Ghost to do that. 
But how many of you can say, amen, Pastor, I know exactly what you're talking about. Or is it just me? Anybody? We're talking about wisdom. You want access to wisdom. We have to confront this. So we need to, we need to be able to grapple with these things. In Afrikaans, worstel. Me and Pastor Johnny love that word. Ek worstel met You know? If I told you that what you were watching and what you were listening to would either open up or close the resources of infinite wisdom, would you think about it twice? James 4 and verse 8, he tells us, on the same subject, he says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. I want you to see that, that there is cooperation when it comes to the purity of heart. We work with God, and yeah, he says, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. I suppose the question I'm asking myself and asking you tonight as we talk about the skill for living is this. How much of the world are you going to allow in your life? Because he says your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And I think it's a very good question to ask. When we ask this question, do I really want to be wise? It's like this young kid came to his mom and said, Mommy, please, I'm having a few friends over. Can we watch this movie? It's not that bad. There's a little bit of skin in it. In actual fact, most of my friends have watched it, but it's okay. Please, mom, please, can we get together and watch it? And she says, sure, son, you can watch it. You can watch it. She says, I'm even, I'm even going to bake brownies for you and your friends. Oh, that's fantastic. So she's in the kitchen whipping up the brownies. They've got the movie on. She goes outside. She goes and gets a bit of little, a little bit of um, Fluffy's dried up little dog doo-doo. She brings it into the kitchen and she sprinkles it up. And she mixes this little thing up, and it looks like it puts the brownies in, hides what traces there are of there with a frosting, you know. And she comes and she offers it to the kid. She says, these brownies are excellent. I promise you, they're great. There's a little bit of, but you won't, you won't even notice it. Seriously, you, you, won't, you, you don't see it, you don't notice, you won't taste it. Who wants a brownie? <laughs> that's exactly what the enemy does it's just a little bit of this and a little bit of that you're not going to go and eat a brownie with dog doo-doo in it so stop compromising can someone say let's stop compromising amen because it does come at a price and it does affect the wisdom that we have access to from God and it does make us less skilled for living you see a little poop can go a long way point number two Point number two is that the wise love peace. And I'm going to speed it up a little bit here because I've got to get through all six. So the wise, Pastor Greg said to me, Pastor Andre, don't say you're going to do all six. Just land the plane if you get to point two. But we're going to get through. I said to him, the problem is your notes have all got six in it. If I stop short, there's going to be trouble. So the wise love peace. James 3 verse 17 and 18. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is peace-loving. In this post-modern world, it seems like folks spend more time looking for things to argue over and fight over and disagree about. Few ever want to find common ground. My mother would say, all they'd rather just do is want to be common. <laughs> That's the word my mom used, you know? Stop being common. It was when I didn't dress appropriately or speak right. So when people don't want to find common ground, they just rather want to be common. Wherever you find yourself, whenever you find yourself excited heading into a disagreement, remember how wisdom acts. And wisdom is peace-loving. Wisdom is peace-loving. Can someone say wisdom is peace-loving? The truth is you can't be wise and love conflict at the same time. It's impossible. James chapter 1 and verse 20 puts it this way. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. 
Proverbs 14, 29, a wise man controls his temper. He knows that anger causes mistakes. And I love this one in Proverbs from the Message Translation. It is the mark of a good, of good character to avert quarrels, but fools love to pick fights. You know, as I was preparing this message, I began to think back on all the times I had disagreements, whether it be on social media or in person. And I had conflict. You know, there was one thing I realized, that for all those disagreements and all those quarrels, I was there. For all of them. <laughs> and I learned that conflict cannot continue without my participation. Conflict can't continue without your participation. So just decide to say no. Why? Because wisdom loves peace. Every time you're heading straight on into an argument, just remember, you're acting like a fool, and that's not the wisdom of God. So let's go for number three. We've got three more to do in three minutes. Praise the Lord. Stay online. Number three, the wise consider it. Now look at James 3.17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is considerate. Do you know what it means to be considerate? It means to consider it. Now they pay me for this. I'm here all day, you know. To be considerate means to consider it's simple transition, but really it means to consider someone else's point of view, not to think that you're right all the time. Wisdom considers it. Here's the first question that James poses, and he puts this into perfect practice in James 3 and verse 13. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Who has understanding? You see, these are the people who say, hmm, I've actually never thought of it that way. They're not proud and arrogant, know-it-alls. You see, Paul here in Romans chapter 15 is actually offering counsel regarding resolving an issue of conflict. And listen what Paul says, backing up my point. We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like us. We must not just please ourselves. Let me tell you what, you may win the argument, you'll, win the, you'll lose the soul. You may win the argument and lose the friendship. Wisdom, godly wisdom, is considerate. It just considers it. John Maxwell puts it this way. Give your thoughts or your opinions a break. You think them already. Just give them a break. You don't always have to voice everything you feel or see or have an opinion on. That's number three. Number four, how does wisdom act? The wise are willing to heal. So he goes beyond just saying, you know what? I will consider it. The wise are willing to heal. James 3 verses 17 and 18 says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is submissive. A more accurate translation of that Greek word is this, is willing to heal. Just to back off, you don't always have to be right, but you always have to love. There are certain things that you can get away with when you're operating in godly wisdom that you don't have to prove you're right about. Listen to me, folks. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Proverbs 12 verse 15 says, Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. So the question I'm asking you tonight is, am I reasonable? That's how godly wisdom acts. Are you able to be reasoned with? Can you sit down and have a constructive conversation with someone who differs completely from you, but still love them and still treat them with respect? 
and walk away saying, I will think about it. The fifth one is, the wise minimize the mistakes of others. This is huge. James 3 verses 17 and 18 again says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is full of mercy and good fruit. Full of mercy. You know, this is the kind of person you know, that was a horrible thing that you did. But you know what? I'm going to give you another chance to get it right. I'm going to let it go. Do you want to know why I've got such a successful marriage? Because I'm married to the most merciful person that I know next to Jesus. My wife just forgives. She never holds a grudge. Me, God's still working on me. But she's just so full of mercy. And you know the truth of the matter is, folks, remember what it says in James 2 verses 12. It says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged. <laughs> speak and act as though you are going to be judged by the same standard. Remember the standard you hold others to? Right back at you. The things you refuse to be merciful over, you're not going to be receiving mercy for. And my wife just extends mercy upon mercy upon mercy. You know what? You know why that is? Because she'd rather stand before God having loved too much than having judged too harshly. Rather stand before God loving too much than judging too harshly. I'm reminded of this young girl that comes to her grandma and says, Grandma, how have you and grandpa managed to be married for 50 years? And she says, that was easy. When the day we got married, I, re I decided I'm going to give him 10 faults that I'm going to overlook. 10 faults, I'm going to overlook them. She says, what were the top 10? She says, I don't remember writing them down because every time he did, he did it, I said, well, that's one of those. That's one of the top 10. That's one of the top 10. That's one of the top 10. And that's how they managed to stay together. And before moving on to point number six, the final one, I want to ask this question. What do you need to stop bringing up when we talk about mercy? What do you need to stop bringing up? What's happened in the past that you keep on regurgitating? Because he who repeats a matter, the wisest man said this, separates the best of friends. He who continues to bring up a matter separates the best of friends. Stop rubbing it in. Rub it out. Stop rubbing it in. Rub it out. Let's go for number six. This is just as big. The wise are authentic. Can someone say authentic? James 3 verses 17 and 18 says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is impartial and sincere. Now both those words, impartial and sincere, actually come from a Greek, from a Greek word, root word called, which is hypocrite. Now hypocrite is something we know, we know by definition what it is, but you do know in Greek theater what a hypocrite was, was a single guy that stood on stage that played multiple roles. And the way he changed his roles was simply by holding up a different mask. I feel that that represents a lot of people in the church today. That's why I love our cell groups, Pastor Greg, Pastor Trace. You know, we've been going on in cell groups, and if you've been in a cell group for more than six weeks, I think it's about time that, you, that you, we talk about being authentic. I think it's about time that in your cell group you begin to just peel away the mask. Doing one thing speaking one thing but yet living a completely different life because you know the truth is you cannot be wise and hide at the same time you cannot be wise and hide at the same time folks let me say this you want the skill for living and the wisdom of god made available to you if you are the only one that knows your secrets you're not in a very safe place that i can tell you now it's the devil's stomping ground you need to get yourself into a group Regardless of what that group may be, you need to get a tight community of friends, people that you can grow with, people that you're going to be accountable with, people that you can actually do this with. 
because I think the church has become much like the world where it's become a theatrical play and all we do is we just change masks, change masks, change masks, but nobody knows except us what's inside here. The Bible says that the wisdom from heaven is impartial and sincere. So why does God want us to be wise? And I'm going to close with this. James chapter 3 and verse 18. Why does God want us to be wise? Because the word of God says, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Do you know what the definition actually is? The direct translation of sowing in peace means. It actually means this. To bring national tranquility. In a country that has been in political upheaval most of its history. You want the wisdom of God. The Bible says this. That peacemakers who sow in peace will bring national tranquility. Let's not get involved in the same political arguments, in the same political stomping ground of people out there, but rather let's go out there with the wisdom of God, being the light of Jesus, and direct people to the truth. Let's keep our opinions to ourselves, but continue to share the love of Jesus. And that's my prayer for you in closing today, that as you take a look at those six points and the notes are made available to you, that you would say, Lord, pour out your wisdom upon my life. You said I can ask for it. I receive it now in Jesus' precious name. Were you blessed tonight? Did you receive the word? Hallelujah. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you are here for the first time, perhaps you're watching online and you've never given your heart to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that tonight. I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to go to where you're at. You're just going to simply say, Pastor Andre, please. I want to commit my life to Jesus. Perhaps you're here and you serve God at one time, but you're guilty of all six of those things. You've got bitterness and selfish ambition in your hearts. You've been watching the wrong stuff. You've drifted so far from God, you never even pray and ask God for anything anymore because you just feel like you're so far removed from Him. I want to pray with you as well tonight. Won't you raise your hand when I count to three? So those two invitations, those people receiving Jesus for the first time and those who are rededicating at the count of three. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now and say, Jesus, God bless you. I do see those hands, hands going up all over. God bless you. Please keep your hand in the air. Don't put it down. Keep your hand in the air, indicating to me and to the Lord, I mean business with God today. I mean business. I'm coming back to Jesus. Even in the venues, please keep your hands raised. Now, in a moment, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer after me. Everyone in the venues, everyone online, everyone in the auditorium. Let's pray this prayer together, especially those of you who raised your hands. I want to help you as you just speak to Jesus from the heart, as you ask him in. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight in the precious name of Jesus. Father, I ask that you would forgive me and cleanse me of all of my sins. I know I've messed up, but I know that there is forgiveness in Jesus. Come into my heart and save my life. I promise to love you and to serve you until the day I meet you face to face. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.